Hey you, welcome to the podcast. I am really excited today to bring one of my most popular and needed guests from the podcast archives to the forefront, Dr. Daniel Goleman. Dr. Daniel Goleman was on the podcast in 2018 and remains one of the most popular episodes to date. It goes without saying, he is practically a household name, or at least the term emotional intelligence is after his book in 1996 called Emotional Intelligence and the many, many books that followed after that. I've had the honor of hosting him at Google in one of his talks for Altered Traits, which was a recent book with him and Dr. Richie Davidson, and took his course as a meta coach to help others become more emotionally intelligent using all of his 12 disciplines and the primary areas of social and emotional intelligence that are needed in our today's business world. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Leave me a comment, let me know, even though it is from the archives, it's super, super relevant. I think even more now than today, as we continue to feel challenged by Meeting, meeting others where we need to at work and working on our own relationships in the business world as corporate leaders and leaders of our lives. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. I'm excited that you're here today and joining me on the PauseCast, where I interview thought leaders in the world of raising our consciousness, emotional intelligence, and helping us really reach our potential. For more information, you can go to my website, rachelomara.com, and download my free guidebook, How to Turn Burnout into Thriving at Work. Welcome everyone to the latest edition of the PauseCast. I'm Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. And today I am thrilled. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Daniel Goleman, who is joining us here to be a guest on the PauseCast, where I host interesting people in their field where they are leading their charge for helping people be more conscious, more emotionally intelligent, and stronger and better leaders. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rachel. I'm really happy to be here. I'm sure many of you are familiar with, with Daniel's work. Dan is what I would consider the father of emotional intelligence, where he wrote the book Emotional Intelligence back in 1996, was it? And, uh, oh, that's and, right. Yeah. And yeah, and so it's been out um, since then, millions and millions of copies have sold, but really uh, has done decades of work around this field and really brought it to the limelight of our world, where now it's almost a standard and competency that we look at with business leaders and in the field of learning and development. So he's written many books, his latest book called Altered Traits. He is co-written with Dr. Richie Davidson. And I had the honor of hosting Dan and Richie at Google late uh, in, 19, in 2017 for Altered Traits. So we can talk a little bit about that, where it's really the, the convergence of meditation and emotional intelligence and your brain and your body kind of all coming together. So I'm just really excited to dive in. I have so many questions to ask, but I think what I'd love to do first, Dan, if you're into it, is to lead us off in a 
meditation, and I, I call this a pause. So would you like to take that away? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I've been a, a meditator since my college days, so pausing in that way is one of my favorite things to do. Let's start with a very simple practice of centering our attention on the breath and uh, just sitting up straight and closing your eyes or keeping them open, but not looking around if you do. Bring your attention, your full awareness to the natural flow of your breath. Breathing in, breathing out. Pay attention carefully to the entire breath, the entire exhalation, the pause, the inhalation, the pause. Again, the same cycle. If your mind wanders off and you notice it wandered, just bring it back to the breath. Start again with the next breath. Have a few moments of silence. Just be with the breath. And the next breath. And whenever your mind wanders off, bring it back to the breath. And now let's resume, bringing that pause along with us. Thank you. I know I feel a little, little different, and uh, I know pa- to me pausing is any intentional shift in behavior. So I, I definitely sense a state change with that. And uh, thank you for helping me be more centered too. Yeah. As I said, it's one of my favorite things. So yeah, and we all have the breath. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what I've been learning, too, is uh, as much as I, I study emotional intelligence and I, and I help others learn it through my coaching uh, and, 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 and guests on this podcast, if I'm not doing a practice like that, it's almost like I get half of the effect or it's not as potent as it could be. I, I just feel the two of them that work so well together. Well, what we found uh, when we looked at the, you know, 60 very top studies of meditation in the book Altered Traits that you mentioned was that this very simple exercise of bringing your full awareness at will to something that pauses your mind, which is the real pause, uh, has lots of, of benefits that um, amplify into the emotional intelligence arena. One of them is that it is itself an exercise in self-awareness, which is the fundamental building block of emotional intelligence. Another is that it strengthens your ability to put your attention where you want it, to keep it there, despite the distractions. My Lord, we're more distracted than ever these days. But if you're going to pursue a goal, if you're going to finish a task, you just need that full uh, presence to what you're doing. And then it also... It's kind of a twofer because the same brain circuitry that helps you keep your attention where you want it is the the, uh, part of the brain which manages upsetting emotions. The strongest distractors aren't, uh, you know, the sound of someone. They're emotional thoughts. 
why that thing he said to me, why did she mm-hmm. send that email? Those those kinds of thoughts that upset yeah. us. And and the uh, part of the brain in the prefrontal area and the network associated with it that calms us down as the same part of the brain that helps us focus. So people become less reactive emotionally to things that were triggers and recover more quickly, along with becoming better focused. And that really is foundational for the first half of emotional intelligence, the self-awareness and self-management. And then Mm -hmm. when you're more present to yourself, you can be more present to others. And that's the basis of the relationship competencies and emotional intelligence. So uh, you you can see how this simple uh, mental training, we we call it mental fitness, actually. It really is like going to an inner gym. You know, every time you bring your mind back from wandering, you're strengthening the brain circuitry for focusing. And it's just like going to the gym when you lift a weight. Every rep makes that muscle a little bit stronger. It's exactly analogous. And that's inner strength is one of the maybe fundamental muscles of emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on where retention training the brain, where it's the breath or something that you want to focus on, I know for myself, helps me be more focused. And that what you said was so key is that if I'm in relationship with myself, then I can be in relation with others. And that is like, that is such a big lesson personally that I've been learning a lot through uh, the work that you've done and, and others that uh, if I'm not in touch with myself and how I feel and how I'm in the moment with myself, there's really no way to be in relationship in the moment with someone else. It's like that first step needs to happen. And, and that tuning in, I think, is yeah. really critical. So thanks. That's the Well, thanks. yes. And also, there's a, a kind of a neurological principle at work there, that, which is if you're self-focused, if you're wrapped up in that, you know, your own stream of thought, your own preoccupations, mm-hmm. your own upsets, you hardly notice the other person. You don't have the bandwidth. If you know, yeah. oh, I'm feeling this way, I'm, you know, I'm pausing. I'm opening a space, that space allows you to tune into the person in front of you and to be present Mm -hmm. for them. Because if you're preoccupied, you're going to be half somewhere else or actually all somewhere else. Yeah, that's Even though you seem to be there. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Well, I think that's a great segue into the work that you've recently been creating. I know Alder Traits came out and now you're working on a coaching certification in the lines of all of your work with emotional intelligence. I would love if you could share a little bit more about that. I know we've got sure. uh, the five components of emotional intelligence. Can you share why did you create this in respect to your work? How do you think it will be different from other coaching certifications out there? And can tell us more sure. what, what it is. Yeah. Well, for one thing, um, I've updated my model of emotional intelligence based on ongoing research. Um, and I actually talk about four mod- four components of emotional intelligence, not five. My original article, oh, What yes. Makes a Leader, <laughs> in uh, Harvard Business Review, uh, which I did shortly after I wrote Emotional Intelligence, uh, had five components. The fifth was motivation. I folded that into self-management, uh, particularly in the form of a competence of achieving your goals. And uh, not only have I uh, streamlined it to four components, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship management, 
within each of those domains, I've identified specific learned competencies that make people highly effective in leadership. Uh, and this is research-based. And uh, knowing what they are and being able to help people assess their own strengths in things like, you know, how persuasive are you? Are you able to empathize? Uh, are you able to adapt? Are you agile? Uh, how self-aware are you? Not only in terms of how the person sees themselves, which can have blind spots, but how that meets what other people see day in and day out and how they behave. That's actually the wake-up call for many, many people is if they do a 360, we, we use the emotional social competence inventory, which my colleague Richard Boyatis and I worked out with, uh, what's now Corn Ferry Hay Group. And it, it, it assesses people behaviorally in ways other people can see on these 12 competencies. Once you have that kind of diagnostic, that raises your self-awareness in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. And, and this all needs to be done with a coach, I feel, because sometimes, uh, maybe all too often, when 360s are used for performance reviews, this one is not. Mm -hmm. This is only for leadership development. But when they're used for performance reviews, people take the information in all the wrong way. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, they you know, do. I, I don't listen well enough. Or, you know, you, and then you become self-critical. You judge yourself. And it's kind of a downward spiral. And you need to avoid that. And coaches can do that by framing the feedback as news to use. This is an opportunity for you to get better, uh, not to judge yourself, but to see, oh, this is where I am now. I'm going to try to improve it. Use to use. Uh, I like that. It, it is. It is. Yeah, that's what data, this kind of data is. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the coaching certification program, people will go through that process with highly seasoned coaches and learn to do it for others and then to help them, uh, to support them in a, a change process through uh, ongoing uh, encouragement, modeling, practice, you know, all of the tools of coaching, but here they're being used uh, to strengthen the building blocks of emotional intelligence. I should also mention that I published a, a series of primers on each of the 12 key competencies of emotional intelligence. Right, they're um, like they're little available. books, guidebooks. They're, they're small, books. handy books that you can get to clients. I remember, yeah. Yes, yes, and they're very... Uh, I'm told the clients, you know, keep them in their pocket. They're pocket-sized. Yeah, they're and great. They're like, little pocket, they're like little pocket. They're like little pocket candy books that you can pull out and be like, yeah. influence, influence. How can I be a better influencer? And you flip through them. And they're it, great. It reminds you on the spot. They're available from Keystep Media Online. Keystep is my partner in the coaching certification. Yeah. And they're also the publisher of that um, of a book called What Makes a Leader, which pulls together all of my Harvard Business Review articles including the ones on the brain and emotional yeah. intelligence. Um, so Keystep Media is, is the place. It's also, also the place to find out more about the coaching program uh, and to get more mm -hmm. details because we want to have a, basically we're preparing a suite of learning opportunities from just people who want to get better knowledge of what is emotional intelligence. There'll be an online platform for that. People who want to find a coach to help them uh, mm -hmm. strengthen their emotional intelligence, people who want to become a coach, but in the sense of coach and mentor, you know, leaders are 
one of the competencies of outstanding leaders is that they don't just dismiss people as they are, but they help them grow. They coach them, actually. Mm-hmm. And so leaders can be coaches. So we have a program for executives to learn how to coach their direct reports. And then finally, there's this full-on coaching certification and uh, emotional intelligence coaching. So, you know, it's really a a, a range of services uh, that are keyed to different where, where people are. We're trying to beat everyone's needs mm-hmm. here. And, you know, the, the emotional intelligence has become a kind of mini industry and consulting and coaching. And I'm sure some people are doing it superbly, but some people are not doing it so well. So I thought, well, maybe it's about time that I put my foot down and and set a standard that I really believe in. Mm, Yeah, I agree. So, so kind of recapping here, Keystep Media, you can learn more about it, keystepmedia.com and these four competencies. I'm glad you told me about the motivation being folded into the others. I wasn't aware of that. So self-awareness, self-management, social awareness and relationship management, those four key components. And then you've got 12 sub components under there that are these different subcategories like influence, empathy, emotional self-awareness. Those, those are all tenants. It sounds like under these four, four big pillars of the components in the, in the program. Yeah. And Rachel, each one of those builds on the general domain but it builds in a very specific way. And what our research has shown is that uh, the most outstanding, high-performing executives, really, you can say the bosses we'd all love to work for, uh, have are very uh, well able to demonstrate these abilities. And each ability is learned and learnable. I think that's very good news for any, I know. any leader. It's very well good news. Coach. Yeah, I think that's such that's the best part about all of this work, I believe, Dan, for like, I totally agree. And that it is a skill. And that's one of my main messages when I'm speaking with people and telling them this is a skill. Emotional intelligence is a skill. And I know I've been I've been a student of it for about five years at the Wright Foundation and the Wright Graduate University in Chicago, where emotional intelligence is one of the six interdisciplinary studies that we work with. And um, just a quick side note, you, Rich, you mentioned Richard Boyatis in the transformational leadership, I think, is such a key component. So I'm glad to hear that that's been melded and weaved into some of your coaching uh, certification, too, because I think that's been such an interesting component. And, and, and like, I think the thing I just keep coming back to is I think uh, we talk about emotional intelligence a lot. It means I'm tuned into myself, but like, what does that really mean? And and uh, one of the key things that we do at Right is we name the five primary feelings, joy, fear, hurt, sadness, and anger. And to us, it's a skill <clears throat> we're constantly building to tune into that. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, is, you know, and relating to that and coaching and just in general, how important is it to tune in to know how you are feeling in any given moment? Is that something that um, can be can be a helpful mo- tune in to to know more about yourself and in relationship with others? I'd love to hear your take on it. It's really invaluable because if you don't tune into your feelings, they haven't gone away. They're pushing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's better that you know what's going on emotionally. In any given moment, you develop the capacity to do that. That's why I think your your pause principle is so brilliant because it's in that pause where you can tune inside and see what's going on and then act from there. And 
you know, there's a range of emotions. You say there are those five basic emotions, which my old friend Paul Ekman uh, did research on. Mm -hmm. He's got a wonderful website, by the way, at Paul Ekman, uh, Paul E-K-M-A-N.com, where he unpacks those basic emotions into the the multitude of nuance within each family, uh, which is a wonderful tool for helping people understand emotions more deeply, at least from a cognitive point of view. But if, to understand emotions emotionally, <laughs> experientially, mm-hmm. you need to tune in to what your feelings are. And then with that knowledge, you can either go with it, maybe you feel joyous, maybe you feel energy, maybe you feel exhilaration. That's going to help you because it energizes whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. But maybe you feel fear and anger. That's not going to help you. And you can choose whether you're going to, like, uh, you know, am I going to act out of fear and anger? Well, fear and anger close down the capacity of the uh, networks in the prefrontal cortex, which are what help us function effectively. So mm-hmm. fear and anger. You you might, for example, if you feel anger, you usually feel anger because you have some goal and there's an obstacle. You see this person is getting in the way of something you want or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Well, you can either be angry or you can be assertive. Assertive yes. is where you want to go because that means you act forcefully and with strength, but not with anger. Yeah. You drop the anger part and you use the energy of the anger to say emphatically, how you see things, what it is you need in the moment. And that's a healthier way to manage your emotions. And remember, uh, emotional self-management is one of the key principles of emotional intelligence. So what we find is that leaders, executives, managers, anyone who can do this at work uh, gets things done better. If you only act out of anger, people you'll alienate the people yeah. around you, and yeah, you know yeah. you'll be one of you'll be a boss no one wants to work for. Take the energy of it and keep going forcefully toward your goal. That's another mm-hmm. thing entirely. Yeah. That oh, it's so critical. I, yeah, I love what you're saying because um, what I'm learning, and this is my own personal development. I'll speak for myself, and and uh, and. We, and I'll plug Bob right here. One of my mentors, he has a, uh, we have the right de- developmental model and anger is a certain level in there. But on one end, if you choose to use it, you can be assertive and you can drive towards what you want, or you can fall back into this reactive, not really productive um, way of this state of anger, which is that, that reflex that may not be so serving, like you said. Yes. And and I'm learning how to go towards more of that assertion and use anger to get what I want, but it's more on the assertion side and it's not necessarily reactive at all. And that is a totally new feeling for me. And, and, and it's been game changing for how I am in relationship with others and getting my satisfaction, which has been as a leader, something important. Absolutely. And there's another way it can go, which is even worse, which is passivity. You, yes, I know that one too. You know, you repress the anger totally and you don't do anything, which doesn't help at all. So Guilty, I, yeah, yeah. assertiveness is that beautiful uh, middle ground there. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I think, one of the principles of why coaching is so critical. So when you're launching a program like this and I see the tenets of core, the core four pillars you've got and knowing this is 
you know, at the crux of it is all this emotion that we all carry each day and all the moment by moment, we can choose to use it in different ways. And probably my guess is like through this, you would build skills as a leader to know, um, to tune in and say, okay, wow, this kind of feels like anger. Well, I don't want to be passive about it. So I can choose in this moment to do this or that and, and like drive in one well, yes. different way. That's just cool. Exactly. And, and you, you can't be angry yourself. And in fact, you, it's better if you can help them express what it is they'd want or need without anger so the other person can hear. So mm -hmm. these competencies support each other. If you're going to try to persuade or influence someone, you can't just yell at them. You can't be angry. You know, you need to be, you need to understand what it is that they need to hear to yeah. come around. What kind of data? You need to empathize and anger gets in the way of empathy too. So that's uh, mm -hmm. just a really good example of how emotional self-management, one of the core competencies of emotional intelligence, also feeds into uh, many other competencies that help people be effective. Let's switch gears a little bit to more about how you work within emotional intelligence, Dan. I think I'm, I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of people out there are as well. How do you consciously engage in your own transformation? And like, what do you do to keep learning and growing? You know, uh, I, I find there are three uh, areas or, or modalities that help me enormously. One is I, I really try to keep up with the research, with what uh, science is saying about underlying neural networks, for example, or mm -hmm. what competencies actually do pay off in the workplace. So that's a kind of at the cognitive level. Uh, and then um, there's the work that I do with my meditation practice, uh, which is the kind of the pause principle extended. I'm, I've been a meditator mm -hmm. for decades, and I'm getting more and more serious about it and try to put more and more time into it. I like the changes. Remember, the name of the book that I did is Altered Traits. Yes. Uh, I'm not just interested in the temporary changes that I experience while I practice, but how it changes who I am during the day. And I do feel that it helps with self-awareness mm. and managing my own inner world and uh, being present to others and social awareness and then in my relationships generally. So I'm very intrigued by the ways in which meditation melds with uh, emotional intelligence and I think there's a general improvement that occurs the more you practice mindfulness, for example. Mm. And then the third is the emotional work I do with my wife. Oh, that <laughs> sounds she, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Tell us more. Therapist. Uh, yeah. She was the first um, person to integrate mindfulness with cognitive therapy. Her training is in a kind of psychodynamic version of cognitive therapy called schema therapy. Uh, and uh, she wrote a book called Emotional Alchemy, which I highly recommend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which uh, actually, she she was, you know, the inventor of cognitive therapy, which is a very hot modality now, Right. was Erin Beck. She was the mm -hmm. person who taught mindfulness to Erin Beck. I mean, she, wow. she was right there at the very beginning. And, you know, what happened, uh, John Kabat-Zinn is another old friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And Johnny, who I've known since, my graduate school days, uh, you know, started out with mindfulness-based stress reduction in a medical center yeah. without anybody really paying much attention to it. Now it's everywhere. And That's, it's the yeah. most researched form of mindfulness. So 
uh, yeah, anyway, Tara, my, my wife, Tara Bennett Goldman is her name. Uh, when she wrote Emotional Alchemy, she was bringing together mindfulness with uh, a more systematic look at your emotional patterns and which patterns were dysfunctional, which were functional, and also how to change those patterns. Because I think the mindful step, the pause, is crucial yeah. if you're going to understand. In fact, we use it in the coaching program that I've designed as a way to understand uh, what your habits are what your emotional patterns are, uh, what, how you think and how that affects what you do. And then we can tweak those. That's where, that's the nice thing about learned and learnable is that once yeah. you see that, then you have choice that you didn't have before. When they run us, when they run through automatically and we have these nerdic reactions, we don't have the pause. We don't have the leverage inside that can help us change mm-hmm. for the better. But once you do, once you add the mindfulness to your emotional life, uh, then things can improve. And I, I'm, you know, still working on it. You have to ask my wife. But mm. I found that to be very valuable. Yeah, I love that you're working on that with her too. That's that's pretty great as a partnership. Uh, I have another question. You mentioned earlier about being hijacked and having that emotional state where we're triggered and we're just in this state of, of a, a rush and we don't know exactly what to do next. When that happens to you, because I'm sure it happens to you too, <laughs> what brings you back to yourself and, and how do you handle those types of situations? Well, that's one of the things I find of interest is that, you know, since I've been putting more time into my own meditation practice, I find that I get triggered less often. And when I do, it's less extreme and I recover more quickly, which is exactly what the scientific literature is showing happens. You know, there's a kind of dose-response relationship with uh, uh, meditation that, in that all of the effects become stronger the more hours you put into it. And I, I think that's been one thing that's been enormously helpful for me when I, in terms of my own hijacks. The other is that I somehow have become more able to see them as hijacks and not be seduced by them. You know, they're very seductive. Yeah, in the moment you can states. say, hang like, on, this is a hijack. A you know, how could yeah. you say that to me? This, yeah. You know, we get very self-righteous. And mm-hmm. that self-talk is just reinforcing the hijack. And uh, I'm, somehow I've become better able to see it as a hijack and name it and then drop it. And uh, that's one of the powers yeah. of naming what's going on emotionally is if it's something that's toxic for you, an emotional state that doesn't help you at all, if you can name it, you've already started from a neural point of view to yeah. uh, disempower it because you've started by naming it, you activate circuitry in the prefrontal cortex that can name things rather than just sloshing around inside all of that murky uh, feeling that didn't lead you in a helpful direction. And, and as the part yeah. of the, as the energy goes to the naming, it actually takes energy from the emotional hijack. Yeah. And, and yeah, so naming attainment, name attainment. And um, yeah, I feel angry or I feel sad or I feel, I'm feeling some fear or frustration right now. That that's great. Exactly. Good, good tips. And you're giving exactly. us hope, Dan, there's, it's promising to know that meditation and uh, being being in attention training type activities will be helpful for that. That that's very helpful and reassuring for me. Last question I have is uh, what are what are the three most important things that you believe would be for 
uh, for a healthy brain, maintaining a healthy brain? Oh, for maintaining a healthy brain. I think uh, meditation yeah. practice is I think one. we got that one, yeah. Yeah, aerobic exercise is another. Mm-hmm. And social connection is a third. Mm. Our relationships, active being, you know, staying connected to people, very important. Mm. Yeah. Staying connected, exercising, practicing. Mind, body, relationships. Spirit. Spirit. Yep. Thank you. There you go. Great. Well, Dr. Daniel Goldman, thank you so much for being with me today. It was truly an honor to be with you and ask these great questions. Learn more about your coaching uh, practice that you're launching, talking more about altered traits. And again, where can we go to find everything out more? And I'll put the links up, all the links that we've mentioned. I'll have that on our Wonderful. site today. Yep. The, uh, the primers, which are called Building Blocks of Emotional Intelligence, they're at keystepmedia.com. And the information on the coaching certification and the other programs we're putting together, also keystepmedia.com. Keystepmedia.com. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate your time with us today. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. What a pleasure. Be well. This was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. I'm Rachel O'Mara, the author of Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break. Now that you've had a chance to listen to the Pause cast, I want to invite you to continue the conversation and join the private Facebook group, Be The Pause. You can search for it on Facebook or go to facebook.com slash groups slash Be The Pause. It's also in the Pause cast notes for this episode.